It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to another week of the PowerMizzou.com podcast. Spring game over, uh, basketball evaluation period over, but recruiting is, uh, is going full swing right now in both sports. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but first, of, first off, we want to welcome in our guest this week. Lafonso Ellis, and you guys probably recognize his name from the NBA, from ESPN, uh, also a lifelong friend of Missouri head coach Conzo Martin. So we're going to talk about all that. Lafonso, how you doing this morning? Doing really well. Thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, appreciate you having us. And uh, I, I ran into you in Indianapolis last week, so I guess your number one thing right now is uh, is watching your son Walter play, huh? <laughs> That's right. Uh, the, these are special moments. Uh, when I was going through that process many moons ago, uh, I don't know my dad, and so I had to really experience it on my own. And so 30 years later to be going through the same process, but now more in an overseer and encourager role as a dad to Walter is a really special, and it's really special, and I'm cherishing every moment. Now, I was impressed. I mean, there's a lot of parents at, at those things that, that get pretty animated and get into it, like, you're a former NBA player. I didn't see you yelling at the refs. I didn't see you coaching him during the game. Are you pretty laid back watching him? Yeah, the, I, I like to say it this way. I had my moment and my shine 30 years ago. It's, it's really his time, so I try to fade into the black. And uh, I have my camera with me all the time because he enjoys uh, visual feedback after the games to see the things that he did wrong, to see the things that he did well, so we can continue to build his overall base Gabe, as you know, he's still relatively new to our game, having only been playing playing that game for about five years. And so that visual feedback is huge for him. But, yeah, no, it's his time. So if you see me acting up or acting out, that's quite unusual because I try to be as quiet as I can over on the sidelines. When was it that you kind of realized that maybe your son was good enough to be a, a a guy at this level, playing high-level UIBL, AAU is the best circuit in the league or in the country. Uh, I mean, is it something that you kind of noticed early on, or you said he started playing basketball a little later? It sounded like. Yeah, no, Brian. He and, and just just to be clear, he plays on the Under Armour circuit. Oh, uh, I'm actually. sorry, I apologize. And no, 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 no worries, no worries. They they like to make the make sure that the distinctions are clear. <laughs> right. so yeah, I try no. to, as, as as a parent, I try to make sure that 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 I stay in line with that. But uh, no, he started playing at at eleven. And uh, at 12, started to really kind of take it more seriously and felt that between it and football, he liked to pursue it, for mm-hmm. co- pursue the, both of them for college. And then uh, about a year and a half ago, two years ago, um, going into last fall, actually, uh, he j- didn't play football for the first time. He was a wide receiver since he was nine years old and decided to take last fall off to work on his body and strength and then to also work on his handle. Uh, he wanted to be a, a two-guard in college, and he knew he needed to be able to be a secondary ball handler bringing the basketball up the floor. So, uh, yeah, he's been working pretty hard at it. And I told him five years ago uh, he's concerned about being behind everyone because he said – starting at five years old when he was playing hockey you know most of the kids he'll be playing against have been playing basketball equally as long and I told him that if you can shoot it and you can guard there'll be a spot for you d3 d2 nai or d1 uh, because we don't know how tall you're going to be but then all of a sudden about three three years two years ago he started to be around six two ish 
and still not knowing how tall he was going to be because his older siblings, who are all adults, all three of them, including my daughter, are all 6'2". So we didn't oh, wow. know if he would actually stop there or continue to grow. And obviously he's continued to grow at 6'5". So um, I, I felt last summer, last summer, going into the uh, April period, it was his first time playing high-level uh high-level travel ball. He's playing, and in that case, he's playing on the EYBL with the team out of Fort Wayne. Mm-hmm. And uh, still didn't know, still didn't know because he hadn't played against any competition. So I wanted to see if he could guard his position first. So we played against that CP3 team, which was regarded as one of the top four teams, 16U at his age last year. And because of the dynamics of our defense, we switched a lot. And so I don't know the kid's name, but the kid who's going to North Carolina, committed to North Carolina last year, got to guard him full court and half court. And when I saw Walt could contain uh, a point guard that way, I was like, wow, I think he's actually a D1 player. Now the question is whether he's a low major, mid major, high major, because what it comes down to a lot, people think about it from a scoring standpoint, but it's not necessarily always who you can score on, but it's who you can guard. So I knew since he could guard one through three, that he'd be a wing uh, or, or two guard. And so um, in this process, we've still just been kind of going through to see what his level is. And after talking to several people, they consider him to be a mid-major plus. And what they mean by that is he could go into a high mid-major and start right away and contribute. Mm-hmm. Whereas if he goes to a, uh, a high major, uh, you know, his rookie year may play a little bit sparingly and then second year play a little bit more and maybe in the starting role by his third year, uh, partly because, you know, he's a big two guard at 6'5", about 185 pounds, can really move and guard. But his, his, his calling cards are the fact that he can guard and he can really shoot it. He's got deep range and a quick release as Gabe got a chance to see when we were down in Indianapolis. So I'd say uh, by the end of last year, I thought he would he was at least a, a low mid-major uh, to a high mid-major. And now all of a sudden teams like Boston College are starting to pay attention right. to him and et cetera. So it was really just a matter of time and encouraging him to continue to just play the way he plays. He's a really unselfish player that really moves the basketball and uh, don't get caught up in just trying to score every time down the floor like you see all throughout uh, this whole travel ball scenario. A lot of ball stoppers out there. <laughs> yeah. Don't be don't be one of those guys. You mentioned uh, he's, he was playing hockey, it sounded like, at an early age. He played football, basketball, obviously. Where do you fall in line with the idea of specializing in a specific sport, playing multiple sports growing up? Do you think the fact that he played all those different sports helped him out? I, I think so. And from an overall balance standpoint, and he's, he's, he's always been one of those, he's always had tremendous balance, which I didn't have. He, mm-hmm. he's a skateboard, you know, four or five years old, tinkering around on skateboards, doing willies on bikes and that kind of thing. And I'm sure, you know, being up on skates as a goalie helped enhance that balance. And so even transitioning that into football, you know, they go, he had never done it before, but going through those uh, ladder drills and, uh, um, uh, blocker drills and all those things that they do uh just exceptional getting through those things and i think a lot of that had to do with the fact that you know about four years old he's riding a skateboard and those kind of things but i think where it's helped him is his overall balance instincts um uh by the grace of god he's been able to avoid injury because i think mm-hmm. hockey football all of those sports like that develop different muscles in our bodies especially uh from our core down and so he's pretty strong in that way. And so even if we had a chance to do it all over again, I would still encourage him to play as many sports as you can because uh, you won't truly know which one you fully want to pursue until later. 
and uh, and I think overall the again the dynamics of those two different sports has allowed him given him a nice strong fundamental base uh, in terms of balance and strength that he wouldn't have had otherwise. All right, Lafonso. Now you, you, we mentioned you you played high school ball with Conzo Martin and, and grew up with him and. And before we ask you specifically about Coach Martin, uh, we've talked to him a little bit about this, but I just – very broad question here. What was it like growing up in East St. Louis? You know, uh, it, it was great. I mean, a lot of uh, people there genuinely concerned about young people's success and a lot of people investing in that success, expecting nothing in return. And so even growing up in the projects, I mean, there's so – many people there who are rooting for you. Once they figure out that you have some talent, whether it be academic and or athletic, they continue to, to, to push you. And if they see you kind of starting getting out of line a little bit, uh, you know, that was a day where a neighbor had no issue with calling out another kid if they felt that kid was, was, was out of line. And so, you know, East St. Louis was no different. In fact, a lot of the negatives that people talk about with East St. Louis, I didn't expect, I, I didn't really know what they were talking about until I actually got outside and looked back in because, you know, when you grow up in poverty, everybody's impoverished, right? Mm-hmm. And that was before, that was a time before all the gangs and drugs kind of infested East St. Louis. And so, you know, we, we, we didn't have, uh, we didn't have all the, the, the comforts, uh, you know, come right. home sometimes and the, you know, mom didn't have enough resources to be able to pay the electric bill and things of that nature. But, uh, I, I thought I, I, if I had a chance to do it all over again and knowing how uh, having the, that lack and the hunger that it created to succeed, I'd do it all over again. Now, uh, I know you won back-to-back state titles. I mean, just how – with you and Coach Martin both on the floor, how good were those teams? Ah, uh, wow. Uh, my, my senior year, we actually – no, my junior year and senior year, we ended up having eight guys go play wow. uh, Division One basketball, especially my senior <laughs> year. Kanzo Martin, of course, ended up going to Purdue later. Vincent Jackson went to uh, Kansas State. Uh, Bryant Stevenson, who was our power forward, uh, ended up going to play football at Austin Peay. Uh, my junior year, Chris Rogers went on to play at Creighton. Uh, Rodney, uh, Rodney <laughs> went on to play at a Division Two school. James Harris went down to Austin P to play football, and so there's just a lot of talent. <laughs> yeah. a lot of talent on those on those two teams. And uh, you know, my senior year, Conzo was always the stabilizing rock for us because he's he's just always been so steady. Are you able to keep in touch with a lot of those guys other than Coach Martin? <laughs> Chris Rogers, a ton. Uh, James Harris, and I, I was closer. I was close. I'm a little bit of a loner <laughs> in that, and so I, I, I'd like to say that I'm nice to a lot of people, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a really private guy. So Chris Rogers, Conzo uh, Martin are the two guys that I keep up with the with the most. Keep, uh, Chris continues to be in Omaha, Nebraska. Has really built a, a great career for himself as a politician. Uh, obviously, Conzo's done amazingly well as a as a coach. So those those two guys are the guys that I talk to the most. At, when you played with Conzo in high school, could you tell them that he had the uh, the makeup of maybe a future head coach? I wasn't even – the truth is I wasn't even thinking that way. Yeah. And it, it was only – you know, it's only as an adult looking back that you say he had all the attributes of becoming a great coach because, again, Conzo was always a very high IQ player. Mm-hmm. He, wasn't, he wasn't a great athlete or high flyer. And, and when you're not, you have to be very smart. So you got to be able to outsmart the next player. Is that person 
taller, faster, longer, and then you got to think through how can I be impactful for my team, uh, knowing that I have a guy who I'm going to have to guard and a guy who I'm going to have to go up against on the offensive end, uh, who who who's so much more talented than I am in those areas. And Conzo always found a way. He's a great passer, and again, I mentioned to you, standing influence on our team. He can go to the post, knock down the team, 18 foot jump shots. Uh, when things were going crazy, it'd be Conzo who would rebound the basketball and almost like a point guard, literally put his hands up and go, guys, settle down, settle down, settle down. And so those things are more temperament-oriented. Uh, and so, again, looking back, he had all the attributes, so steady, so calm, uh, smart, and I think he, he's allowed those things to transition um, to translate and or transition into his coaching as well, because when I see him out there on the sidelines, he's the same way. Very, very smart thinking about, uh, you know, thinking a play ahead or possession ahead. Um, when his team's getting rattled, he's like, Hey, calm down, calm down, calm down. It's, uh, it, it, it's, it's good. And so, and just very steady. And so the same Conzo that I knew back then with those three attributes is the same Conzo I see now uh, with those same attributes that's honed a little bit more over time over on the sidelines. It's really cool to see. Talking with LaFonso Ellis and uh, going through the recruiting process at the same time, obviously you go to Notre Dame, he went off to Purdue. Did you guys ever play against each other in college? Uh, we didn't. Uh, my understanding was that Digger Phelps, my head coach then, and uh, Gene Cady didn't like each other. Really? <laughs> so, yeah, it didn't because the reality is, I mean, we played Butler, we played Indiana, we played uh, – Evansville, but we never, never played, never played Purdue. What was it like playing for Coach Phelps? Uh, Coach Phelps was intense, uh, really bright. Uh, I, I say to people all the time, with I had the privilege of playing for Pat Riley uh, as a defensive mind. Uh, Flip Saunders, the best offensive mind that I've, I've ever played for. And uh, if the game is plus four, down four, tied with four minutes to go, I'd take Digger Phelps all day long. He was an wow. excellent, he was an excellent situations coach and uh it just just brilliant. So very intense like Bob Knight. You know, obviously we see him on T V so he has that that regal air about him as well. So uh learned a lot from really learned a lot from Digger. Uh, I say all the time that Digger coached me my first three years and then John McLeod who coached in the NBA for eighteen years was my coach my senior year. I, I, t- I tell everybody that uh, Digger uh, taught me how to be a man, and John McLeod, my senior year, taught me how to be a pro. So, obviously, he has he's had an indelible impact on my growth and development as a man. Now, you went through, I don't know, I guess about 25 years ago, 30 years ago, the recruiting process, and now your son's getting ready to go through it. How much, and obviously that's what we cover a lot at Rivals, how much has that process changed since you went through it? Wow, Gabe, I, I wasn't aware of it uh, back then. And again, I'm kind of a loner, and so my 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 focus is always on what what what's in front of me and 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 what I have next. And so it's funny that you say that because uh, my best friend from the NBA is a guy named Brian Stiff, Brian Stiff, mm-hmm. who's the all-time leading scorer in Virginia history, and uh, Brian. He knew Hoop Scoop magazine. <laughs> he, he was like big time into it. So even now, I mean, he kept all the magazines. And when we go to his house, he tells Walter about it and all this stuff. So it's kind of really kind of funny. But I was oblivious really to all of that, only to know that, you know, postseason, my senior year, I, obviously I had made the McDonald's All-American team and the most 
special part of it for me is uh, I don't know if it's still as significant now as it was back then, but if you can make a parade All-American team, you were like a dude. <laughs> so that was that was still my, my most cherished uh, accolade. So I wasn't aware of the rankings and things of that nature. Only later when Bryant shared with me did I learn that, I, that I, both my junior year and senior year, I think, I think junior year, Brian said they had me in the top 30, and then my senior year they had me in top 10. And so uh, it was a very different landscape for all of that kind of stuff back then. But obviously it seems to be hugely important these days because uh, especially on the chat boards as you look around, uh, for, for the general fan, all they know is stars. <laughs> if a kid's a, if a, kid's a, a four-star or five-star, if, if he's a four-star or five-star, then recruiting must be going well. <laughs> if, if he's a two-star then, and they signed him at a major institution, they tend to get a lot of pushback. What? You yeah. took a two-star guy over? Even though, you know, some two-star guys like Charles Cook at Dayton have gone on to be incredible college basketball players. You just described what we go through every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you decided on Notre Dame, what were the other schools you were looking at? Was it, I'm assuming it's, I mean, it's a huge decision. Obviously, it's a tough decision. Um, maybe why, why did Notre Dame feel like the best fit for you? I didn't want to go through the craziness of the entire recruiting process because I heard just nightmares about it, right? Mm-hmm. And so early on, I narrowed my my four, I narrowed my choices to four, okay. and it was UCLA out west. Uh, Notre Dame in the Midwest, uh, the guy who taught me how to play the game, Orlando Hampton, uh, told me I needed to honor my home state school, which was Illinois. Mm-hmm. And then out east, it was Syracuse. And uh, so narrowed it down early. I was actually going to go to UCLA and play with my good friend, Derek Martin, uh, the night before my mom at, well, the next morning, my mom asked me where I was going to go to school. And I said, I was going to go to UCLA. She said, honey, can you stay close to home? I <laughs> uh, rethought it a bit. And, uh, Decided upon Notre Dame partly because uh, obviously massive brand name, international brand name, even back then. Uh, secondly, most important to me was uh, you know being from an impoverished family. Wanted to allow my parent, my my mom, my rest of my family to be able to see me play most games. At that time, we played eight games on ABC, NBC or CBS. The rest of the games were carried on WGN my first two years. Oh, wow. Similar scenario my final two years with the major networks, but then the rest of the games were carried on Sports Channel. So all my family got a chance to see absolutely all my games. And not to mention, of course, uh, Notre Dame, from an education standpoint, right. uh, you, you don't get much better. They're practically an Ivy League school in the Midwest. And so uh, it was the best scenario for me at that time i didn't realize that the student body was as small as it was but again being more of a a homebody to himself kind of guy if i had to make that decision all uh, all over again i'd go right back because it was the perfect fit for me one of the things we heard a lot of when conzo was hired by missouri was he is going to own this area in recruiting just uh, can you talk a little bit about what whether it's people you talk to back from home or just kind of in that area, how, how well liked and respected he is around, you know, East St. Louis, Illinois, Missouri, kind of the area that, that he's going to focus on? That's a great question because uh, doing what I do for ESPN, you know, I'm out and about and I'm meeting new coaches and meeting guys who are ball kids on certain staffs and et cetera. I'll tell you what, everywhere because i because what's happening now is as Conzo's coming back to the midwest people are finding out that we're connected and and so i can't tell you the number of people who go that guy is a wonderful guy if my kid was going to go play basketball i want my kid to go play for him at a ball kid 
I was sitting on an airplane and figured out who I was. Uh, he had been at Tennessee, I believe, Conzo's last year, and he was go- raving about Conzo's integrity, how he treats everyone the same, whether it be the president of the university or an administrator. And I'm just sitting there laughing because I was like, yep, uh, that, that, that's the Conzo I know. And so when you combine uh, an intense, successful uh, coach who cares about his kids and who happens to be a person of integrity, you put yourself in a, in a situation to be very successful, and in this case on a recruiting trail. And, guys, he's respected everywhere. I wouldn't be at all surprised if he begins to dominate the recruiting process and getting big players coming out of Chicago. He's going to have a leg up on a lot of people in the St. Louis area because of how much they respect him um, and, and nearby Kansas City as well. And so I'll be surprised. I'll be surprised if he loses many battles, especially if, the, if you guys can go and have a successful year this year with the uh, caliber of young players. I mean, mm-hmm. how, how fortunate would it be to start your first year in a new program and you got Michael Porter, who's going to be a top three pick next year and a great kid <laughs> in your first year. So, obviously, they, they got a lot of momentum on his side. And if they could really have a great year his first year and they do well, it's it's over in those three areas that I just named because they're going to have people they they're going to have people coming all out of the woodworks wanting to get to Missouri. You mentioned your son played played EYBL last year, uh, and, and just as a guy who obviously sees a lot of basketball, sees a lot of high school and college players, do you have a chance to see uh, Mike Porter, and, and what do you think of of his game? <laughs> uh, my, it, it, I could I could summarize it in this way is uh, I was Paul Biancardi, our ESPN director of right. recruiting, was calling. Oh boy, was it the? He was calling one of the events out west, and I can't remember what I can't remember if it was the USA game or what. And 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 the dialogue was you know Muhammad Bamba being the number one player in the country, and meanwhile. I had not seen Michael Porter play, so I didn't know what he looked like, right? And so I'm just going only off of what my eyes are seeing. And, and, uh, and so I'm watching this kid play, and, and I'm kind of like, uh, this, this kid's pretty good. So I go and look him up, and, and I figured out it's this Michael Porter that my youngest son, that Walter, has been telling me about. And so uh, he goes on to say that, uh, yeah, we think that Muhammad Bamba is the number one player in the country. So I texted him immediately. And they go, dude, it's not even close. Michael Porter is the number one player in the country. And so sure enough, about a minute later, he mentions that he goes, because the the play-by-play was the one who said, Muhammad Bamba is the number one player in the country. And then uh, he received my text, Paul, and Paul said, just want to let you know, you got a guy out there that's in huge disagreement with you that (laughs) Michael Porter is the number one player in the country and the MVP of this game. And so that that summarizes how good I think Michael Porter is. I mean, he's, in my opinion, at the same time, he's a better player than Jason Tatum was because my only knock with Jason Tatum is that Jason at the time, he shot every single basketball. He's just he, he and, and that's okay because he's an elite ball player, right? But but he shot every single basketball. Whereas Michael Porter always makes the right play. Now to Jason Tatum's credit, midway through the season for Duke last year, he figured out that he could be more of a playmaker, and he turned into what I thought he would be. But Michael Porter is that guy right now. 
Um, of course, you work at ESPN. A lot of former basketball players either seem to go into covering basketball or coaching basketball. Was there ever a time where you thought maybe you'd go down the same track as Coach Martin? Yeah, I I, I love kids and I love hoops and I, and I love a lot. I love watching the process of kids growing, developing, and trying to put them in position to be successful. So I always I always wanted to coach. Yet at the same time, uh, you know, I have a wonderful, wonderful sweetheart of a wife. I have great kids. <laughs> And I didn't, I wasn't comfortable with what impact negatively coaching could have on my family. So I went the selfish route and decided to be a family man and be the next best thing uh, to that, which is I love kids, love hoops, and working for ESPN on the college basketball side allows me to be as close as possible to it uh, without coaching. And I found that uh, very fulfilling. Can I jump in one day? Uh, as Walter gets out on his own, but, mm-hmm. uh, yes, that's possible. But uh, I've really enjoyed uh, being able to be in the locker room of some of the greatest coaches in college basketball history. Uh, I've enjoyed watching freshmen come in who I've developed a relationship with and watching those guys grow and develop and leave as seniors or some of the one-and-done players, uh, De'Aaron Fox, who I got a chance to know uh, when I did the Jordan Brand Classic last year and watch him, watch that kid develop, and now he's going to be a top-ten pick. Mm-hmm. So I get a chance to do it, just not in a, a, hands, a daily hands-on way as I would um, if I were an assistant coach. Conzo offered me a job um, two years ago at California to go in with him and uh, help develop Ivan Rabb. And so who knows? Maybe when Walter graduates from high school or he graduates from college, maybe another one of those opportunities would – uh, come knocking, and uh, we'll take a look at it and examine it. But I'm, I'm very, very happy to be at ESPN right now. Alfonso, you've been real gracious with your time. Don't want to keep you too much longer, but just just two more quick ones on the way out the door. Sure. Uh, so sure. it, I don't know. Are you, it, are you kicking me out, Gabe? Uh, no, I just – well, I mean, I do have to go to a to a job here, but I figure you probably don't want to talk to us all day long. But I uh, uh, wanted to ask you, um, I don't know what how, how kind of your responsibilities, if you do certain conferences or, or whatever, but have you called a game that Conzo has coached, and is that – you know, is that weird for you, or are you used to enough being a broadcaster that none of the personal stuff comes into it? Yeah, none of the personal stuff comes into it. In fact, uh, I've been blessed with even ESPN. They allow me to do what I consider to be an inordinate amount of Notre Dame games. My first two years, my first two years, uh, I didn't get any Notre Dame games at all. But over the last six years, I probably get at minimum three in my backyard. And so they wouldn't do that unless they felt I was being completely uh, unbiased. And so I had Conzo's game the last year. I'm trying to think where we were. It was postseason. I had Conzo's last – the last year he was at Missouri State, I had those guys. Did I have the conference finals maybe? I think I may have had the conference finals. And um, and, and so, nope. Obviously, I have a, little, a lot more background material on Conzo than I would have had on the opposing coach, but I would only use the amount of information that would give each coach uh, proper balance in the things that I was saying uh, uh, about them. And so I've only had one, one of his games so far because uh, at Tennessee, I don't do the SEC. I do the ACC during the uh, regular season. And then pre-conference season, I kind of have a smattering of, 
of ACC. Uh, I'll get some Big Ten, maybe a couple SEC games along the way. But pretty much they 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 keep me they pretty much keep me where wherever Notre Dame is. So it was Big East early, and now uh, the ACC. Well, it's a chance to see some pretty decent basketball. The ACC is all right these days. So. Uh, it's just okay. Yeah, um, <laughs> they, only, they, they only produced uh, a runner-up national champion two years ago, and then a the national champion. This yeah, year. Okay. It, it's going all right. Uh, <laughs> last one for you, and whether this is somebody you played against or with in high school, college, NBA, whatever, who's the best guy you were ever on the court with? As, as a teammate, a teammate or playing against, either just the best guy you you played on the same night as. Oh, wow. That's tough because I, I had the privilege of being in the NBA during the glory years of Patrick Ewan, Charles Barkley, Michael right. Jordan. Yeah, so if, if 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 it's who I played against, it's hand down, hands down, Michael Jordan. Not even close. Yeah. <laughs> if it, if it's having had the privilege of playing with, that makes it challenging. But I would give the nod to Kevin Garnett. Okay. Okay. Let, I lied one more, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but my memory is. Uh, is I think correct on this. You were at Notre Dame from 88 to 92, so you would have been on the Notre Dame team that that played Missouri with, like, Peeler and Smith and beat them by, like, 25 or 30 up in uh, South Bend toward the end of the year. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, that was uh, – I grew up a Missouri fan. That wasn't really a fun game to watch. Uh, sorry, <laughs> a little more personal for me, obviously, with Columbia only being uh, two, two and a half hours from my hometown. And, uh, obviously, Anthony Peeler was a – high school All-American in, in my class, and Doug Smith was a high school All-American uh, in his senior class, and I was one year behind them. So I, 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 it was one of those that you had circled on the calendar and couldn't <laughs> wait to play that one. Yeah, that was uh, that was the year Missouri was like at one point number one in the country, and then you guys beat them, and they kind of fell apart, lost to Northern Iowa in the NCAA tournament. And uh, I was in eighth grade, and that was the last year I either went to school or worked on the NCAA tournament because I was like, well, I, I can't miss these. I, I got to go home. So I, I got sick a lot in March after that. No worries. John Anderson at ESPN reminds me of it all the time. He'll, <laughs> he'll even have a <laughs> picture of Noah Stewart and go, seriously, you didn't consider us at all? <laughs> no, I, I get it from him all the time as well. All right. Well, LaFonso, I really appreciate it, man. Thanks for so much time, and uh, best of luck to your son, and uh, either see you down maybe in Atlanta or, who knows, maybe uh, maybe on the road somewhere. Looking forward to it. You guys have a great day. Thanks again for having me on. All right. All right thank thanks. you. That is LaFonso sure. Ellis, uh, East St. Louis native, uh, Notre Dame, in 11 years in the NBA. What a great what a great guy. Yeah, I he mean, really was. It's uh, very down-to-earth, very, uh, yeah, giving us 30 minutes of his time on a, what is it, Thursday? Yeah, yeah Thursday. we don't, every day's the same. <laughs> Who knows? But, it, you know, it was funny when I was down in Atlanta, and, and I saw, I mean, like six, eight guys kind of stand out, right? right? I saw him, and I'm like, I know I know who that is. Who is that? And I, then I, I looked at the roster and, and saw his son and said, oh, that's who it is. But for a half a second, it went through my mind. He kind of looks a lot like Jerry Rice. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Huh. It was not Jerry Rice. Right, no. Nah, a little bit yeah. bigger than Jerry. <laughs> yeah, but uh, great stuff from from LaFonso Ellis. And like every person we talk to, you hear the same thing about Conzo Martin. Like I understand right. that's one of his longtime friends and he's biased and all that, but – you know, I haven't heard anybody say a bad thing about the guy. No, I mean, even from places where he left, quick, like, I mean, Tennessee, 
the situation there kind of unraveled on him. I don't know, obviously, all the details and even of that, it. Most of the blame doesn't seem to go on no, him. No, yeah, it seems to go other places. Uh, Unreal un- expectations due to the the run Bruce Pearl had, or I mean, all the players that he coached there seemed to love him. Um, Cal, it's a great school, obviously a great academic institution, but there's some definitely some uh, limitations, I would guess, in the Pac-12 for them. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he can take – I mean, sometimes you just get to the right spot. Missouri could be that right spot for him. He could blossom into the coach that everyone kind of thought he was going to be when he was at Missouri State and take this team to another level than it's been at recently. I know, obviously, Norm Stewart had it at a pretty – Another level. level than it's been at recently is not a high bar. Yeah, no. Well, there was the 31 season. Yeah, yeah. Five, that, was that, that five was years ago? Five years ago, yeah. <laughs> so let, let's spend a couple minutes just kind of talking about that. They they get Cassius Robertson last night. The, right. The grad transfer from Canisius. And even when this was all Kevin Knox, Jeremiah Tillman, Jonte Porter, like – I think Cassius Robertson might be the most important piece out of all those guys just for this year. Yeah, I mean, he fills a big need for him. They haven't had a knockdown shooter. Everyone kind of thought Colin Since Van Marcus Leer Denman. was going to yeah, Colin was going to be Van Leer was going to be able to come in and do that and it just it hasn't worked out that way. Uh Terrence Phillips was their best three-point shooter last year, I believe. Yeah, 35%. Right. And I mean, you, your point guard being your best three-point shooter is probably I mean, you need somebody that's Working away from the ball, bringing defenders out away from the basket, opening up the lane, especially when you don't have good post players. Um, yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how he does that. I I don't I have to admit I haven't watched many Canisius games, but right. you just look at the stats and you say, okay, I mean I don't know exactly who he's going against, how it all worked out, but uh, it seems like it's going to be a good fit for him. Yeah, especially in a place where he's going to come in, and that's all they're going to ask him to do. Right, be a shooter. Like, you're not going to have the ball in your hands a ton, all that. And what I found maybe most interesting about that conversation with LaFonso Ellis was, like, look, we're all blown away by Michael Porter because, like, we don't really have a huge frame of reference, right. right? He's one of the best players we've ever seen in the state, all that. But, I mean, this is a guy who played 11 years in the NBA, and that was a uh, a glowing scouting report right. on what Mike Porter can bring. Played with Michael Jordan, like he said, or mm-hmm. played against Michael Jordan. Play, yeah, it's there's no doubt. It, I do. Um, it's it's kind of crazy though that Jason Tatum and him come out back to back years. Yeah, I mean, two of the best high school players, at like two of the top ten definitely in this state. Yeah, I'm yeah. definitely so. All time. It, well, and what I thought was interesting there that he made that comparison. I remember talking to a lot of people mid season this year. And they said, like basketball people, and they said, if you watch Duke, when the ball gets to Jason Tatum, it just stops. Hmm. They're, like LaFonso was saying about the AAU game, there's a lot of ball stoppers out right. there. Jason Tatum was a ball stopper until about midway, and then all of a sudden Duke started playing well. And the big, the I think the most positive thing he brought up, uh, Porter is what Tatum turned into. Right. He is that right now as a high school senior. So it'll be interesting. So that all leads to the, the kind of one question I wanted to get to. Okay. So they add Robertson. They're going to get either Jonte Porter or Jeremiah. Tillman. Right. And, and I don't know. They may get both. But but at least one of those guys is going to be on this team next year. So that's a 6'10", 6'11", right. 240 that's guy. That's a, a guy in the middle. So given that, adding one of those two guys, this team is what next year? Like realistic hopes and goals for this team is what? What? So double if you're top four SEC, that's double buy, right? Yeah. Or triple buy? I can't. Double buy. 
So I think it's got to be a double bye team. I kind of think that's where they'd fall. I don't know if they'll be able to. I mean, Kentucky obviously lost a lot. They're bringing in a ton, though. They always yeah. do. Um, South Carolina still probably be decent. Frank Martin seems. Yeah, to, I mean they lose they Thornwell lose and Dozier. Yeah, that's tough. Oh, Doge is Dozier leaving in for the draft? P.J. Dozier was invited to the. Uh, oh wow. The NBA Combine. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that because he is an underclassman. I know that is for he? sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Florida obviously is always around there. I, I mean, know. Arkansas should be good again. Right. I think those are your top five teams, and so. Again, the the expectation for me adding one of these two guys, the expectation is this team makes the tournament. Right. Yeah. Like what happens after that? I don't like we've seen it. You can lose on the first day to anybody, mm-hmm. and a seven seed like South Carolina can make the the final four. I mean, that can happen. So once you get there, it's a crapshoot. But my expectation adding one of these two guys is it's going to be a little bit of a disappointment if this team is not in the NCAA right. tournament, yeah, for which sure. is. I, I don't know how to describe that. <laughs> uh, you know, it's good for business. <laughs> yeah, that too, that too. So, you know, it, it'll be obviously be uh, fun to follow. But kind of the last thought, and you mentioned Kentucky, and I think Missouri could be similar to Kentucky in this way. Not saying they're like the number one team mm-hmm. in the country, but I, you watch Kentucky every year, and the team you see in November is not the team you see in March. Right. And when you're talking about adding a grad transfer, you know, your best players are freshmen, all that. Like, the team, they could get beat and beat pretty bad against Iowa State in that first game. Right, yeah. And still be a really good team come February and March. That's something that the Missouri teams of recent haven't been able to do. They haven't improved at all during the season. I think maybe, I guess the 31 team started good and... Yeah, the, they just were rolling all that year. That team and Mike Anderson's thirty-one win team. Both those teams, like they they just came out of the gates, right. amazing, and just kept it there right. the entire year until obviously, uh, you know, the, Mike Anderson's team really played played pretty well even into the Elite Eight and just right. ran into the wrong team. Frank Case's team obviously held it there all year and then it just fell off a cliff in the, the on the wrong day. But yeah, this is a team. The 1994 team is the one that was like that. Like got killed they by Arkansas. They almost lost to Mercer. Yeah. They lost by 52 to Arkansas, and then they just got a little bit better every right. night they played. I think that's what you look for out of this team. The team you see in March can't be the team we see in November. Completely different kind of players, though. That were, oh, yeah. wasn't that like eight, eight seniors? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> completely different uh, dynamic. Exactly. But that was the last team that I really remember going. If you would look back to November and tell mm-hmm. me this is where they were going to be, no chance. Right, yeah, it's and that's kind of which makes that '94 team even more unusual because that's more of a uh, quality, I guess, not quality, but like what you see from young teams. I think mm-hmm. that's why you kind of expect that from this team. You get Michael Porter Jr. is going to get better as the season progresses. The Blake Harris and C.J. Roberts, those kind of guys. They, there is a mixture of some experience here with Barnett's a senior, Robertson is going to be a senior. Um, to get the juniors in Perrier, yeah, Van Leer. So, but it's yeah, it'll it's going to be fun to watch. I think regardless of what happens, it's, yeah. that's the thing I think Mizzou fans should be yeah. most excited about. It's going to be a fun season. Missouri is going to be on the national radar. Right, they're going to be talked about a lot from Porter day one. Play. You're going to get to watch. I mean, yeah, yep. it's going to be a fun season. Which after the last 
Four, five years? That is years? not the word yeah. I would use for the last three. Yeah. No, not the last three for sure. <laughs> it would start with an F. It just would not be fun. So, uh, again, I uh, want to thank LaFonso Ellis. I mean, most of the people that come on this podcast, we have some sort of a connection to. We can just text them and say, hey, are you going to do this? LaFonso Ellis didn't know me from Adam. I saw him in Indianapolis, asked him if he'd be willing to do this. Absolutely. This is one of the best uh, guests we've had on here, a guy that – Clearly knows a lot of basketball, and and I I like watching him as a color commentator on ESPN. Mm-hmm. So, th- thanks to him, and uh, might be a coach at Missouri one day. You know? There you go. <laughs> I mean, he said, "Hey, maybe when Walter graduates from high school, so maybe he's gonna, maybe he'll be on staff for Conzo eventually." So, uh, thanks to him, I would thank Brian, but yeah, this is your I job, don't deserve man. it. <laughs> yeah, I'll send you a check at the end of the month. So, uh, thanks to you guys for listening, and we will be back next week on the PowerMizzou.com podcast.